Sunset Lake CBD is a majority employee-owned hemp farm located right outside of Burlington, Vermont. Before they started growing hemp, Sunset Lake Farms produced cream for Ben & Jerry's. Sunset Lake CBD doesn't use any pesticides or herbicides to grow any of its hemp plants, and they use organic fertilizer and other sustainable farming techniques to ensure the long-term health of the soil and to minimize their carbon footprint. So like all of us, my days are really stressful. By the end of the night, my kids are in bed, I'm taking a minute to chill, but I'm still unwinding. I recently started using the Relax Gummies infused with CBD isolate, reishi mushroom extract, and ashwagandha root extract. I'm really glad I tried these because they really helped me get ready for a good night of sleep, and I really think I sleep better, so I'd highly recommend it. So check out Sunset Lake CBD today at sunsetlakecbd.com and use the code HFPOD for 20% off your order. That's sunsetlakecbd.com and use the code HFPOD for 20% off your order. Farmer-owned, Vermont-grown, Sunset Lake CBD. Hey everyone, it's Cam Hurt, host of the Best Show Ever podcast, and we have got a second season coming out very soon that I am very excited about. We've got some very cool special guests, including musical acts that we all love, like Karina Reichman, Daniel Donato, Jake Brownstein from Eggy, Rick and Peter from Goose, and many more. Tune in for new episodes dropping on Osiris Media March 5th on the Best Show Ever podcast. Hey listeners. I want to tell you about a sponsor, Music Masters Collective. They're a nonprofit organization that produces unique music events, providing opportunities for fans and artists to meet and collaborate in an inspired and creative atmosphere. Every week, they host different events, all with the opportunity to learn from world-class musicians like O'Teal Burbridge, Trouble No More, former members of the band, Milk Carton Kids, Nikki Glaspie, Bill Frizzell, Sean Colvin, and many more. This June, join the Fab Faux, Joan Osborne, John Sebastian, Marshall Crenshaw, and a great group of faculty for the debut of Magical Mystery Camp. This all-inclusive, once-in-a-lifetime music vacation experience in the heart of the Catskills will be packed with nightly performances, workshops, speakers, song circles, open mics, and a lot more. If you're a performing musician at any level, bring your instrument. If you're a music lover, bring your good spirit. It's an amazing experience for individuals, friends, and couples alike. Registration is open, spots are filling up, so check it out soon. And scholarships are available. Check out magicalmysterycamp.com slash helpingfriendly to learn more. friends this is the helping friendly podcast this is episode 102 um and this episode we're going to uh, talk about the grateful dead which some of you probably know about you may have heard of them they're a new band um they've been around a little while (laughs) we've decided to bring them into the fold because they're already in our lives and i'm guessing they're probably in your lives as well so uh we wanted to talk about them a little bit uh, this episode, and Jonathan put a little mix together for us, a mashup, if you will, um, that will kind of mash your brain up, and uh, we're going to talk about the dead. So what do you guys think? Are you, are you excited for this one? Quite. RJ, RJ sent approximately 84 tweets trying to pull the, pull the crowd. Yeah. Well, actually, you know what? For, for once, that was Jonathan who sent that. 
to get get people's take on whether or not we should do an occasional or regular episode about the Grateful Dead. We had um like fifty yeses and one no from our friend Sam, which was really awesome. <laughs> yeah, that was um, a very adamant and clear no yeah. from him. That was pretty funny. Sam, I don't think Sam knows the word yes though. <laughs> that's true. That's a really good point. That's why he's a great, great American. Um, you know, we've all obviously liked the dead for a long time. Some of us longer than others. Cause Jonathan is the elder statesman of the group. He's been, he even got to see the grateful dead, which Brad and I of he course did, did not. Yeah. So this is, this is cool. I think, um, you know, it's a good idea. We're going to try to try this and then we're going to, you know, keep on mixing it in. And, um, Jonathan's got some great ideas, so I'm excited to mix things up a bit and, work this into the regular rotation the dead as i was mentioning earlier it's just kind of it's always been there for me right i mean it's always kind of uh been a part of my life my sister introduced me to it when i was young before fish and arjun I, you and i saw our first show in october 95 jonathan your first show was 93 my first fish show Two. 94 yeah. 94 so we're kind of like on the outer edge of being a noob, like generally kind of close. You know what I mean? <laughs> um, the 3.0ers think we're like vets, but, you know, the, the true vets think we're noobs. And um, as far as the Grateful Dead goes, we're all noobs. We're all noobs, man. You know, he, even Jonathan, he's, he's seen him live. but Yeah, you know, but I only saw him in the 90s, so. Right, 68. No, but none of us saw him in 68, obviously. Well, I mean, I saw three shows in 1970, and then I didn't see him again until 1991. I, I, <laughs> you and Dr. Emmett Brown. <laughs> yeah, my DeLorean. So we've got, I mean, there's there's so many comparisons between the dead and fish, of course, from, I mean, people who compare them too directly are people who don't know that much about either band, I think, because there's similarities, but like musically, musically, there's not a lot of similarities in my mind between fish and the dead. None at all. There's right. a little well, bit of common yeah. ground in some of the Americana stuff that uh you know fish came up but and also the guys in fish came up listening to grateful dead but um you know yeah they draw on I so feel like much there's other commonality material. between like the dead and mike you know what i mean uh mike seems to you know the more countryside mike i think was in he didn't like um uh, destiny unbound because he thought it sounded too much like a dead song i think we talked about that before but um, Mike really seemed to be into it. I know I, Trey's talked about it too, but yeah. Uh, it, it was nice too. We had uh, a few episodes ago, Holly Bowling, who's done both bands, you know, by herself on a piano, talked about how different they were, which I thought was refreshing too. Yeah. So, I mean, there's, there's a, like I said, there's a lot of, uh, there is some common ground, but they're, they're so vastly different that one can, it just, breeds arguments comparing them too directly jonathan you asked the question about what what got us into the dead but you didn't you didn't answer in the document so why don't you tell us about how you discovered the dead uh you know i think that it was probably my friend mike mike olson had a tape he had the skeletons in the closet tape or um or was that other the other best of the grateful dead one and i think that's the one and uh you know we listened to it quite a bit and then started branching out listening to albums and got a couple shows and started listening to some live tapes as well as collecting records and cds and every everything i could get um and pretty quickly 
started amassing a little collection. And so, and then the last day of my junior year of high school, went and saw them at RFK. And that was, that was it, basically. It's a big show, man. Yeah. Yeah, 91 um, was, it was pretty, it was objectively probably the best Grateful Dead show I saw. But really, they were, I I enjoyed the crap out of them all after that, so. RFK is a huge stadium, though, right? Like, tons of people. Yeah, it was it was the biggest thing I had ever seen at that point. Um, it was my first concert, actually. Oh wow! <laughs> so um, it was it was quite transformative. I mean, finally getting to see the, the band live. I was there with a bunch of my friends. I woke up that morning not planning to go, and during cold rain and snow, we're hopping over the rail down onto the field running well up into Sweet. fill zone and just yeah it was it was quite a night you also mentioned jonathan that um you know skeletons in the closet but it and the tape it automatically sent me to like the tape cover the jacket um and i always felt their artwork is a little different you know growing up um i listened to a lot of classic rock and there wasn't like much softness in in classic rock albums i guess right uh, at least artwork and then you know it was skeleton so it wasn't necessarily like mundane or soft but it, there was something nice about it i thought um and that was one of the things i remember was like well this is kind of different just from the start you know um so your sister got you into him how old would you say you were when that happened um i was probably she i was probably 11 or 12 okay she was like cool. 15 or 16 um, and she just started driving and like, you know, playing tapes in my dad's car. Right. And that, this is one, of, that was one of them that I like remember listening to her when it was just me and her. Um, I remember trucking. I thought it was living on Ritz vitamin C and cocaine. Well, you know, there's I'm some like, good wait. crackers. I was like, hold on. Yeah. Yeah. Like Ritz are pretty good. <laughs> like, I, I think I know what vitamin C is and what's cocaine. <laughs> like, <laughs> but so. give me some Ritz crackers. It's the other <laughs> vitamin C. Yeah. I'll never forget that shit. And she was like laughing at me about it, but yeah, it was, um, good stuff. So from there, like she would, that, you know, she was a cursory fan, not, not in a negative way, but, um, once I started talking to some more friends about it in high school, uh, you know, a couple of years later, I realized there was that whole, you know, under undercurrent of tapes and, uh, just the subculture. Right on. And, uh, RJ, RJ... What, what, did Jim or, yeah, did, did Jim or, uh, your sister listened to him? No, no. I think it was just like, it was just through, you know, maybe probably you. Probably you, Brad. You probably are the one who did it to me. <laughs> I'm sure, for sure. Yeah, I think I was in like seventh grade. It was probably shortly after Brad and I became friends. Um, yeah, I just remember listening to Dead Set and Reckoning a lot. Um, and and the Skeletons from the Closet, obviously, album, which was is kind of a funny thing now looking back, but that was like all that existed of the Grateful Dead as far as I knew. It's like <laughs> you can't even really explain how all-encompassing the Dead is. I mean, at least in, in, from my perspective. They're, Fish is so much more of like a, a niche, you know? The Dead is like, to me, yeah. the Dead captures American music in a way that um, no other band does. But that might just be me. I might be being overly romantic about it, but it's like it's so... It's such a perfect, perfect um, bridge of 60s and, you know, from the 60s to like 
classic rock to the to the then when we got to see fish. I don't know. To me, there's something so special about the dead that fish is great. You know, I mean, obviously we love fish, but to me, like fish has the prog rock influence and the sort of w- wacky, weird stuff that influenced them. That the dead just doesn't have. And the dead is just so much more purely American rock music to me, but, but not rock music in the derogatory term, you know, like it's like, it's, <laughs> it's right, a, right. you know, I mean, it's not hard rock or whatever. It's not classic rock. It's just fucking awesome music. Uh, it, I think they've got hard rock. Yeah. They've got classic rock. They've got classical. They've got jazz. They've got bluegrass. They've got the whole yeah. gamut. Um, and similar things can be said about fish, but, um, Grateful Dead, they're, they cover broad territory and, uh, they, um, they speak to maybe a different part of my brain, more parts of my brain, other parts, just different parts of my brain. Yeah. Um, I think, you know, one of the things that I'm more comfortable introducing myself to someone about is the Grateful Dead. Like, I feel like it's more, I think you said RJ encompassing or, or whatever, where the fish is definitely a, a smaller slice of the pie. And I feel like the Grateful Dead can encompass more people. Uh, into their into their realm and and even recently with gd50 and those sorts of things you look at it uh, it's huge now and and even people younger than us or you know younger than 3.0 news <laughs> in a non-directory sense are yeah, yeah. are into the dead now <laughs> it's like you know what i mean it, it's caught on all over again and that shows you just how how great and and broad the music is whereas in 94 or whatever uh you were pie-holed pretty quickly into into that you know weird set of of people if you told somebody like the dead yeah and on the fish comparison actually maybe fish is more like the dead now than they ever have been is that possible there there was a point where they um sure you know fish wasn't wasn't big on exploratory jamming and then mm-hmm. right around the time when the dead stopped existing, Fish was getting big on exploratory jamming. It was a very different kind of jamming. It sounded nothing like your Dark Stars or your other ones or what have you. And frankly, the dead had done a lot less jamming at that point than they earlier mm-hmm. in their career. But, um, you know, well, there's yeah, also... maybe there's something to be said for that because Fish's uh, catalog is broad and it, it covers almost more uh of the americana and various sounds than it ever did before Um, well i think there's also an issue like just the presence of space you know which the dead is like is that's something i love about the dead there's just there's there's um space that just builds between notes or between passages or whatever and fish as you said like fish wasn't really into space for a while they were into like filling up space (laughs) with notes as much as possible now like listen to winter queen or listen to even like i mean even even an older song like you can an older song that's played now you're just you're gonna get much more um i don't even know i don't know is there like a musical term for that you guys know what i'm saying though there's just like i I feel like i hear that way more now than i did in older fish i think age and uh and patience uh play into that quite a bit timing you can't you can't not mention timing though either because um 
but Jonathan, you said it. It's like ninety five, August ninety five. Jerry passes, and then um, ninety five was like the Fleezer, the Mud Island, right? Like this is when they were also starting to expand. And whether Trey's a genius, and he realized now is the time, and we have to start uh, kind of filling the shoes or grabbing the reins, whatever you want to say. Um, it was perfect timing, right? I mean, if if Fish were 10 years younger or older, I don't think it would be the same. Yeah. Yeah, it all it all it all blends perfectly. Let the liquor tell it. That's what Outcast says. Um, <laughs> Why don't we talk about uh, you know, a little more specifically then about Grateful Dead and let's uh, venture into talking about what our favorite shows are if we have if you can. Brad, do you have a, a a favorite show? Oh man, um, I mean, I saw this and I I didn't even like answer the question on the document just because, oh, um, you know, <laughs> you know, I gotta say that um, it's not all the same show, but the hundred year hall show, which is from like uh, seventy two Germany some crazy town um it was in april or may right of of 72 and that cd is something i'll always go back to there's a bertha opener i've talked about it before i think bertha is like the perfect opener for me at any time um there's china cat all the it's just a, a jack straw um that to me is quintessential it takes me back and that takes just a little bit more importance over without a net, which is from like 90, 89, 90 Europe. So um, I can't give you a specific, but I'll tell you that the 72 shows, Europe 72 is my favorite, favorite era, hands down. That's man. That's not a bad answer. I totally forgot about that release. It came out in 95, um, probably right yeah. when we were like driving around and starting to buy compact yeah. discs. Um crazy to think about that's a i totally forgot about that album that was like a pretty big release at that time was it big jonathan or just for us oh no it was it was significant because they were you know they had in just the years just prior begun really dipping into the vault we'd gotten one from the vault already and um two from the vault might might have been out already is that the first one and um no no there's one from the vault is the uh the 75 show. Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah Great American Musical right. 75. I'm thinking of Dick's Pick, sorry. Right. Yeah. And so, yeah, they were they were starting to dig into the archive. And 100 Year Hall, it was a big deal. It was good to get that show. You know, it was great quality. It was nice to have it on CD, um, as opposed to the tapes that we were scrambling for, because we weren't circulating stuff. I mean, there was, you know, I wasn't anywhere near anybody who was doing DAT. 1995 or i was just just met somebody you know one or two people and you know i wasn't collecting any debts and so uh, it was nice to get digital digital dead and uh really great material at that so yeah it um, looks like it looks like there was in 1995 three live releases according to the internets one was dick's picks two um which is from columbus in 71 um, and then Hundred Year Hall came out in the fall, and then like a month and a half later, Dick's Picks Three came out, which is that amazing 
77 show from Florida with the uh, music never That's stops. 523, right? And the dancing thing. Yeah. Yeah. yeah Long ass dancing. Wow. Yeah. I guess I was ordering those when they came out, but it all runs together, man. You know? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Tell us, man. What doesn't um, run together is Jerry's like dance guitar, like that laser, like the dance laser that he would play. Yeah. Gosh, yeah. It was yeah. amazing, too. Yeah. Yeah, I'm the same, and I go back to Europe 72 every single Friday night, pretty much. I turn on one of those shows, and once they wow. released that whole collection, you know. Yeah, once they cool. released all of them, and that artwork is amazing. And When was that? Was that like on Spotify a couple, couple years ago, right? Yeah, yeah, two, maybe three. Um, Outrageous. It's just great. And then, and then I think it was two or three years ago they released the Dead at the Movies Um it was like a they played in Germany on a on like a on a cable show. Oh yeah, wow. um, and they recorded it, and that that was like went to the this movies was, and saw the that beat club that or like, something. I saw that. Yeah, that it was took pretty me, great. like it took me back right when you, we loved Europe seventy two, or I still love it, but you know what I mean when you first started get into it. Yeah, Jonathan, you might. I'm curious if you have the, you know, you know specific shows and dates throughout the throughout the history of the dead and for me it's more of tours months it's more of like a landscape view um Mm -hmm. whereas with fish i can pick out very specific shows from any era with the dead it's like i I go to months or tours like you know 73 or spring 77 or anything in 76 or 72 but what what's your are you is there a difference for you between the fish and the dead in terms of how you think about specific shows versus tours that sort of thing it it all goes to the time you put in so i probably 15 years ago could have told you more specifics on both bands show by show date by date about the time you know it's just about the the time you put in and the focus you put to it and your brain gets Mm -hmm. a little soft as you get old and stop doing this stuff um but i would say i definitely have a clear favorite single show from grateful dead um, while I still have, you know, a number of tours or sections of tours and things that appeal to me and are among my favorites, but I, I always and for the longest time have just continually gone back to the uh, eight twenty seven seventy two show from Venita as my favorite. Um, and it's, it's a great one. Yeah, so it's good. a great one, and so it, that's where I land. It's amazing all the time. they released it too. Right? Like you know, when, when I, I had been they... lobbying for it. I, I Somewhere on my yeah. blog, you'll find an open letter to the Grateful Dead and <laughs> like from 2012 or something, begging them to release it. And then nice. uh, soon after, they finally did. So um, yeah. that's awesome. That that's great. When it was, I don't know exactly. Cool to read your blog. Yeah, yeah. that's my dream. That that's mm-hmm. I imagine that's what happened. Um, <laughs> but it it uh, yeah, it's such a terrific show. I, I shouldn't have to tell anybody about it, but if you if you are the fish fan here who doesn't know that show, that's a good one to get into. It was a particularly magic day, um, and the playing is hot day. Yeah, it was, it was one of the hottest days on record in um, that in area Oregon. of Oregon. Yeah, and uh, and the magic was in the air and in the water, mm-hmm. and. Um, and then the music, and somewhere right around China Rider, um, the switch gets flipped, and the band doesn't look back, and they just start going. Mm. Everything is everything seems to hit just about right, other than 
you know, a lot of tuning between songs because the sun making the, make their instruments go funny, right? And, uh, right, <laughs> stuff like that. <laughs> um, so the, the 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 story though is that they dosed it at halftime, right, at the set break. Uh, well, you know, there's I don't know the specific of when or who okay. or how. I just know that it right. seems pretty clear that that there was a lot of that going on and um nice and the music i'm surprised to learn they were doing that right i'm not i I wasn't there i can't speak to who did what where when exactly but all i know is that the 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 music is insane the playing in the band that night everybody talks about the dark star and with good reason but other things there's the playing in the band that night is a ripper the the jack straw is gorgeous you know the uh greatest story ever told is one of the best versions, although my friend Andy would certainly argue that uh, they trumped it in like September or something that year, and those are good too. And the bird song is, is that delightful. Yeah, wow. um, it, it, it's it's amazing. From and Bobby's little comments right in between. Oh, there's great banter, especially on the in the thing. first set. Yeah, 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 just great. But was the Jack Straw the the duet where they both singing? I think so, uh, but when, really for me, it's all about happen? Jerry's yeah. guitar intro on the very beginning of the thing. It's just yeah. so okay. Uh, right. It just it soars. It's just beautiful, and I can hear it in yeah, my head Jerry's, right here. Jerry's pretty good at it, man. Anyways, pretty good at it. And it's so nice that I mean, we all have a common ground here, right? And fish, but but this is something else that we have a common ground about, and it's funny how that works that way, and it's different. But it's still music, and it still brings us together, and, and it's just fucking wonderful, man. Yeah, it's, there's nothing really better than The Dead, I mean, still, for me. Well, um, I don't think there's a doubt that it's my favorite band. And, and I, you know, we have a Fish podcast, and I've seen Fish, obviously, way. I mean, I've never seen The Dead, but, um, I, I, you know, there's no question to me that I think they're my favorite. You know, and I, RJ, you feel the same way, don't you? Yeah, I do. I do. I mean, I can't. I can't really like go a day or two without listening to the Dead. Um, I guess I'd say the same thing about Fish, but there's something much more um, universally appealing to me. Fish, I have to be in a specific space and and like mindset, which luckily I get into most pretty much every day. But, <laughs> but when we're like, that's more you know, cathartic, bro. The Dead's more like tea. Fish is it's like, like coffee. I like right. Friday night, I'm at like, Rachel. You know, we're having a beer and just hanging out. Like putting on a dead show is is much more intuitive to me than like, you know, what like era of fish do I want to listen to? Do I want to like, you know, I don't know. It just it, it feels much more natural a lot of times. It's my go to when I, well, at, at just about any time. I mean, obviously, I listen to a lot of other music. Uh, maybe it's not obvious, but certainly I listen to a lot of other music. But when all else fails. Play dead. Exactly. So let's do that, Jonathan. Okay. So we have this. I, I made this mix like, um, I don't even know, maybe an ought five. And it's the kind of thing that I've done several others. I did some with fish and, uh, you know, we did one. I put one up last year. We did for the, the summer yeah, into summer one. tour. Yeah. Right. Um, but I, I put this together in, as I said, in 2005 or so. And so some people have heard it. It's It's been out there uh, here and there. And um, it's kind of it's kind of built on an idea that, 
you know, my buddy Joel and I kicked around in the 90s when we were flipping through Dead Bass looking at, oh, look at this show. Oh, man, what about, I'd like to hear that jam and, and listen, going through our tapes and, you know, well, what if this jam went into that thing and they did this and then they did that, you know, even though we're jumping between years and stuff. And we could have done some of that on with our cassette tapes, but the work was, well, just we weren't going to do it. And um, at some point uh, in when this century came around, I, I finally had the tools and a little bit of time and definitely the inclination to start doing this kind of thing. So I made a couple others, some made some fish ones, and then uh, decided to tackle the Grateful Dead. And and so this is a, what, like, uh, just about 80-minute version, if you will, of the other one. It runs the whole sequence of, you know, with cryptical... A uh, little bit of drums, not too much drums, um, and uh, into the other one and off into space. There's a little Spanish jam, a little mind left body jam. It's not precisely seamless, but it should. F- it's it's designed to flow. It's pretty close. Yeah. You know the the thing that I noticed noticed most was the sound of of the recordings. You know what I mean? That's can that's kind of when you can, and it's not your fault. It's just right. you know, that I, but it seems like that's when you can kind of tell when it switches. Yeah, and sometimes it does jump quite a bit um, from year to year, and we'll put the the track listing or you know the the listing of source and material with the timings up on the up on the website so everybody can if they want to follow along or if they're listening to a jam and they want to know what it is, you could probably go back and uh, check this out. Um, yeah, and it's it's really. I mean, I'd encourage people to listen to it and then look at the track listing. It's an incredible um, assortment. I can't even imagine how much work went into this, Jonathan. So it's just it's cool to listen to and then to look through all the all the stuff that you that you spliced together. So nice work. Thanks. It took a little time, but uh, I think it paid off. So should we stop talking about it and let everybody hear it? I guess so. Okay, let's do it. Let us know, everybody, too. Um, if you want more of this, we could play whole shows or sets. Check out the Dead Pod, as we've always mentioned too. Yeah, yeah, we'd, I'd be interested to hear what people what people want to hear. Clearly, there's uh, there's more room for Grateful Dead discussion and podcasts. And I think one thing that I'm excited about is to get other people, you know, on here to talk about the Dead. Um, people who are much more knowledgeable than than us than than me, and I, I'm going to speak for Brad. And myself and say that we're not <laughs> yes. like super knowledgeable about the dead as as much as Jonathan and people who may even have seen them live in concert, which is pretty cool. Seems pretty cool. I'd like to have done that. Um, so I'm just, I don't know. It's going to be cool. It was all right. Cool to bring some different perspectives on. Yeah. <laughs> you guys can just, you can just have your Grateful Dead episodes and talk about cool, how cool it was to see the dead. And Brad and I will just sit in our closets and cry. Be like, totally. Cool. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Hey, thanks guys. Don't forget to check out the um, check out the website. You can find all the track listing and all that stuff and all of our other episodes at hfpod.com. You can hit us up on the Twitter at hfpod. Tell us if you like this Grateful Dead stuff or you want more fish or if you want both. We can probably do that too. And um, until then, do we have anything else to say, RJ? Well, I do want to say one thing, What's which that? is I think people, um, if we could request, people should review us on iTunes, which is something we haven't... Um, ask people to do in quite a while, but it's important and it's very helpful. Helpful, very helpful, and then also keep on. Rock-
What is a city without its music? The legacy of the New York Philharmonic is incredible. Nearly two centuries of history. That's a lot of music and a lot of stories. I was sitting on stage for the very first time thinking, I can't quite believe this is happening. Join me, Jamie Bernstein, as we explore the history of the New York Philharmonic. It's the NY Phil story made in New York, a podcast about a city, its people, and their orchestra. Listen wherever you get podcasts. Okay. Respectfully dedicate this set to the memory of Neil Cassidy.
The number you have reached is 100.7 WMMS. It wasn't just a radio station, it was a lifestyle. Cleveland is a rock and roll city for sure. Get down! The wrath of the buzzer. WMMS Cleveland. The rise and fall of one of the most iconic radio stations in America. Profiles. The Wrath of the Buzzard. P R O H Files. Subscribe now wherever you get podcasts. Hello out there. Yes, hello out there, everyone. I'm Hal Schwartz. And I'm Flynn McClain. 
Together we host None But the Brave, a podcast dedicated to the music and career of Bruce Springsteen. Bruce and E Street Band are on tour right now for the first time in six years, and we're taking a detailed look at what's happening on stage in our bi-weekly episodes. We've also been recently joined by some very exciting guests, including rock journalist Warren Zanes and Stephen Hyden, Backstreet's Magazine founder Charles Cross, and Barstool's Kirk Menahan. If you're a diehard Springsteen fan, this is the show for you. So please subscribe to Nimba the Brave on your favorite podcasting platform, and we hope to see you further on up the road. Thank you so much! We'll be seeing you!